Today's program has been brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on Heritage Radio Network. Org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and today we have a very special guest uh, who's phoning in from... Uh, Carlton, where are you? You're in France right now? I'm in a train station in Valence right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Carlton McCoy runs the, uh, the beverage program over at the Little Nell in Aspen, Colorado, Master Sommelier, uh, and now calling in from France. It's actually two out of our last three shows have been calls. We had Shelley Lindgren calling in from uh, <laughs> from Italy, and now I get to talk to you in France. Welcome. Oh, wow. Welcome uh, welcome to In the Drink. It's very exciting to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's pretty exciting. Uh, the last thing I, think, I thought I'd be doing at a train station right now, but... <laughs> Uh, so I, I definitely want to ask you about uh, about your experience um, with the uh, with your with your high school and with the CCAP program. Um, that yes, uh, tell tell us a little about what uh, what that was like and and how that kind of set you up for a career in the food industry. Well, I uh, you know I was very fortunate to find uh, CCAP. Uh, the high school that I went to was um, was you know. To be very honest, a very dangerous place to be, and uh, it's not a, a common place for masters and lays or anyone uh, prominent in our industry to, to sort of be sourced from. Uh, I found SCAP when I was in high school as sort of um, a more focused culinary arts program while you're in high school, which is really nice. Um, and as you went through the program, you sort of progressed and, and trained more in classic French cuisine. Uh, and at the end, uh, in your senior year, you would compete in these culinary competitions. Um, so after training and practicing these recipes, I actually won um, uh, the finals for the CCAP uh, competition in Washington, D.C. and got a full, uh, full ride to the CIA, which um, for all of us who've gone to the CIA, realize how expensive that is. Um, so, uh, again, I was really, really fortunate. Uh, definitely uh, provided me with an opportunity I otherwise wouldn't have had. And uh, definitely sort of you know, put me on the right track uh, to be successful in the industry. Pretty, pretty so, amazing. Uh, you know, what were these? What were these culinary competitions like? Was it? it was it like Top Chef in the uh, uh, the Quick yeah, Fire you know, Challenge in you know in, in school? You know, the funny thing is, like you know, you, I look at it now, and you know, now I'm almost thirty years. I look back and go, "Well, I can do that." It's like, well, but for a seventeen year old, it's really difficult food to do. Uh, you know, they give you. Uh, a couple classic recipes that you have to execute, uh, and they're judged by local, you know, Washington or New York chefs, um, by, by professional chefs as to the quality, which is pretty exciting. So, um, you know, I remember the, the first course was a uh, classic poached chicken breast um, with a fine herb sauce and turned vegetables. If you know, there's a lot of line cooks who can't properly poach chicken breast the point where it's still, still moist and uh, succulent and has some life to it. Um, and also, I mean, who knows how to turn vegetables anymore, eh? <laughs> So I'll be honest with you, if you're looking for people who to turn vegetables, you're probably looking to a C-cap class, and uh, you'll probably find the only people who know how to turn vegetables anymore. Uh, and the dessert was uh, classic crepes with uh, pastry cream and um, classic chocolate sauce, again, with, uh, you know, 
these days, if you watch enough Food Network, you can sort of figure a lot of that out. But for a 17-year-old kid 10 years ago, it was really, really difficult. Okay, so you are at the uh, at the Little Nell up in Aspen at something like eight thousand feet above uh, above sea level. Um, su- yeah, super yeah. high altitude. Is is tasting wine at that altitude more challenging, or uh, is it kind of like um, when you have uh, Kenyan runners who are really running in the hills and then they come down <laughs> to sea level and they're you know and, and their their lungs uh, you know, are expanded? I, if people ask me, you know, I'll be honest, I think the uh, uh, the largest contributive factor is just a, a level of calm, you know. I think, uh, you know, blind tasting wine, you know, if you're nervous, your senses are numb. So I think you go into the mountains, things are calm, it's quiet, um, you know, you're a little more focused. So people tend to do a lot better at, uh, at elevation. Um, and, you know, your biggest issue is probably going to be, um, you know, uh, just how dry it is. So it's really funny, you go around to the masses and we examine everyone's, you know, Spraying, like you need some nasal sprays and things like that. Just overthinking things is pretty funny to watch, but uh, there's not much of a difference, to be honest with you. All right, so speaking of the Master Sommelier exam, um, congratulations. You're, uh, <laughs> you're, you are a Master Sommelier. Pretty impressive Thank you. Um, accomplishment, Thank you. extremely impressive accomplishment, I should say. You know, we've had uh, a, a few Master Sommeliers on the show. We've had a few of the people from the the movie uh, Psalm uh, on, on the show, yeah. some of them who, who have worked uh, in Colorado. Um, did you find that your experience, have you seen Psalm? I imagine you have. Yeah, they're all my friends. It's really funny to watch them in a movie. <laughs> uh, did, did you find that your experience was similar to what they went through? Um, my, you know, my experience is a little bit different. You know, when you're, you know, Aspen is obviously a phenomenal place to be in some ways in the sense that you have an amazing clientele that can support a great, great wine program. Uh, but probably the biggest difference is we don't have as big of a community as, you, you know, you all have in New York or, you know, you have in San Francisco. So uh, a lot of it is me sitting at Jay Fletcher's table practicing blind tasting. You know, it's not, you know, the late night. When I was in Washington, D.C., we would have these blind tastings and have, you know, 20 guys blind tasting until 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, I didn't have that in Aspen. So uh, a lot of it I was, it was sort of, you know, me pushing myself. Um, you know, I work with Salvatore, Salvatore, uh, Sicario, who's the, uh, chief restaurant officer at, uh, USHE, uh, was, was at the Nelden and, you know, just sort of training with him, uh, training with, uh, Jay Fletcher, um, Shaba over just our major D who's, who's going for his masters as well. I mean, we had three guys in town. Uh, so very different type of community, uh, not as intense, uh, but definitely very, very focused. Um, you know, a phenomenal, you know, really humble group, but, you know, a lot of successes in the group. Yeah. And so you're one of uh, only two African American master sommeliers. Is that, that that's correct? Huh? Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing. Do you find that that the the group of uh, African American sommeliers is is growing? Is this uh, is this uh, how? What is the the wine community like? Uh, well, I mean, you know, you got to understand. It's, uh, you know, wine is a uh, luxurious item. So it's is you know as quickly as minorities. Uh, uh, you know, tend to make more money and, and move up in class. Essentially, you'll see uh, these uh, you know luxury items being exposed to these minorities. I mean, you, again, you see now more females being uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, master sommeliers. Uh, uh, I mean, how many Hispanics do you have now that are master yeah, sommeliers? Right. I mean, uh, so you'll see these minority my, more minorities become master sommeliers as they're exposed to these luxury items. I mean, to this to this point, I'm still the only person in my family that drinks wine. Uh, but I was the one that was exposed to it at, at an early, at, pardon me, at a later age. Uh, and it definitely sort of something clicked in me and said, you know, this is exciting. This is something I want to focus on. Uh, but again, it's it's slowly but surely. Um, it's just the way things progress.
All right. And so you're also a uh, bald American. Uh, <laughs> if you were, if you could choose any uh, any hairstyle, what what would it be? The I, you know I think the bald mess is the only thing is starting to catch on. I mean, we're up to I think five of us now, uh, which is almost as rare as you know, being an African American. I don't know myself, Dustin uh, Sabato. Um, there's two others. Uh, I, forget, I forget the gentleman's name, but the guy from Vegas that just passed. Uh, and there's one more. If uh, I ever Eric sit Kim that Rock exam, I am shaving my head. Was. I'm going to shave my head if I sit that exam. They're going to be like, that guy must it's, know. It's like charm. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. So no, so no, no hairstyle that you that you <laughs> want to choose. Just shave it. Just shave it. Just, just less to focus on. I mean, who has time to think about your hair, man? You got to be. Uh, studying the uh, sub-regions of uh, Vino Verde. you got no time to cut your word about your hair. There's, so there's an insane amount of concentration of MSs in, uh, in Colorado, especially through, uh, you, you have quite the lineage at, at the Little Nell. What do you think it is about, about yeah. Colorado that, it, that attracts, uh, especially specifically Aspen, uh, that attracts you, that you guys there? Especially you grew up on the East Coast. Things. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it's a few things. One, um, again, there's an absolute concentration of wealth in Colorado. Um, you, you look at uh, Boulder and Aspen, and, uh, you know, per capita, I mean, it's, you know, the, uh, the income's extremely high. So people can afford to buy, you know, the greatest wines in the world. So on a daily basis, we're tasting these wines. I mean, these wines that people studying exams just, you know, study for the exam, like we taste these on a daily basis. Um, you know, it's not a bragging thing. It's just, you know, what, what, what the market can bear. Um, you know, so, you know, we have an amazing point of reference when it comes to these wines. We're familiar with them in, in, in multiple vintages. We've had them young and old. Uh, you know, another thing is, you know, keep, you know, and this is one thing that, uh, you know, Jay Fletcher definitely sort of um, made me very aware of was, was the importance of physical uh, health when studying. You know, a lot of times, you know, when I was in the city, I was studying. The last thing I did was like work out. I mean, I just, I mean, maybe I eat and drink a little bit more uh, just to deal with the stress. But, you know, in Colorado, we get stressed out. So we go, you know, bike up to the Maroon Bells or we run a half marathon. Or, I mean, we're, everyone's like, you know, everyone who's ever passed a mass exam in Colorado has been in, in extreme shape. Um, you know, I think uh, right after, uh, right after I passed, I, I ran a half marathon like two weeks later. Um, you know, one of the best times I had. So, you know, I think th- those are two of the, the, the most important things that you'll see in Colorado is, you know, again, our exposure to the great wines of the world and, and the fact that, you know, our physical shape is up, up to part. I think that's one thing that's really underestimated in the Master Sommelier exam. Hmm. I like that. I, I also find that uh, I think so much better if I if I've had a if I went for a run that day. It's something about running and uh, just makes the, the mind, I think, work better. Yeah, and it, it totally just what it does is it takes the jitters off. I mean, mm-hmm. I uh, I remember so the first the, my first round I passed tasting theory, um, and I think I got the high score in both of those. But I bombed service like really hardcore because it was my first section of the exam, and I was just so rattled. And the second time I took it, obviously I had an entire year to study for service. But before I went into service, I went for a nice long run in the morning, showered right into service. So you know I had no you know no energy to be nervous. Um, and I, I, again, that's something that's uh, I think. Uh, people don't really pay as much attention to. Yep. And now you've taken over the program at the Little Nell. Uh, obviously, there's yeah. a great lineage of people who've uh, who've run that. How have you put your own uh, spin on it? What what uh, where are you taking the wine program there? You know, for me, um, we've always had a, a, an amazing wine program. You know, how do you how do you put your stamp on the wine list? Uh, you know, I think that our our wine list has always been definitely rooted in. 
uh, sort of the same classic producers. Uh, but my goal now is to take, <clears throat> be very current, and uh, you know I travel a lot to not necessarily find new producers, but to research new producers. So, you know, for instance, uh, I'll be visiting uh, uh, Ganevat while I'm here over in France as well uh, to get, create relationships with these with these winemakers. Uh, but when it comes down to it, a great wine list is a great wine list. You know, you can tweak a couple of producers here and there, do a fun little page. But when you're working with one of these old brand wine lists, you know, the goal is that it's pretty seamless. What you don't want to do is, you know, walk into the little now five years later, and you can tell that, you know, they've gone through three, you know, three wine directors in 10 years. You know, it should be a consistent great wine list. Now, the approach that you should go to have, you know, sort of have your own fingerprint on it should be the approach on the floor. Uh, and for me, I have a much more jovial approach. I mean, I'm 29 years old, really fortunate to pass the master's filming exam when I was 28. Um, so I haven't really had the, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say the opportunity, uh, but, but, you know, I haven't been a master's filming long enough to have an ego or to have any sort of pretense. So, you know, my approach with the table and with my, my service staff, uh, again, is, 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 is more youthful, jovial, very playful. Uh, I mean, one of the first things we did when we started the new restaurant was we, uh, we, no, no one was allowed to wear a tie. Um, and we wanted to make service much more approachable because we thought that, you know, um, first of all, we're showing up. You have, you know, maybe three or four managers on the floor. Everyone's wearing a pen. Everyone's wearing a tie. It's like, come on, what, what about that <laughs> makes you comfortable, to talk, you know, approachable? So the first thing was that we took the ties away, um, and everyone had to buy lighter suits. <laughs> <laughs> huh, uh, but again, you know, you just want to be more approachable uh, and, and, and have it be fun. I think, the, you know, the title of Master Sommelier, you know, in and of itself is sort of a, an aggressive thing, right? It's like Master Sommelier, right? It's very, like, uh, you know, um, it's like a monarchy or something. It's like, you know, it's, it's not a very approachable title. So, you know, what can we do on, on our side um, as an L to sort of dispel these rooms that it's sort of an uptight place, uh, this five-star, five-diamond hotel with a grand award. Um, so that's probably my biggest focus is how to make things a little more approachable and more fun. Well, it's uh, it's a a great place. I obviously I haven't been since you've taken over there, but uh, I'm I'm super excited to check it out. Uh, can you, you do me a favor? Come out for food and wine. You have an amazing time. <laughs> if they if they're inviting me, I I will be there for food and wine. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, you know, when you when you go over to Ganava, if you could just pick up a couple of six packs of the Janvu for me, uh, we we could use some. Oh, I think we're allowed to buy about about six bottles of that a year. In, uh, <laughs> well, I'll try to ship some over. Yeah, please please send some over. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. What, who else are you visiting? What else are you doing on this trip? Uh, so I'm actually waiting for Raja Par at the train station right now. His flight was delayed for about two hours. We're, um, when he arrives, we're headed up to Ayamon today. So we've got a very long appointment with Ayamon. And then tomorrow, uh, we're doing Jeme, uh, Ogier, and uh, Chav. And then... Uh, after that, we're doing Clouseau Roche. Um, I forget the other two appointments. Some of the two guys that Raj set up for us. Nice. Um, so you're visiting a lot of like, the great, up, uh, great classic producers here. Um, who's someone, you know, you mentioned yeah. that you like to, to try to find new producers. Who's who's a new producer that, you, you know, that you're very excited about? You know who I've about? never uh, visited was Clouseau Roche. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about that, actually. Um, um, so then six, six days in Burgundy with, uh, uh, with, with another friend. Uh, we're doing again all the classics: Meunier, Vogue, Domaine Lefleve, uh, Rumier, uh, and Lafon. Um, and one producer I'm actually really excited about was a producer that previously I wasn't excited about, which is Olivier Lefleve. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows Domaine Lefleve, and everyone knows Olivier Lefleve is sort of like the uh, the stepchild of the Lefleve family. But um, you know, I got a tip from 
a very reputable sommelier that the winemaking style has changed and um, the wines are clean and crisp and, and, and tense and uh, everything you love white burgundy to be. So I'm actually visiting them to see how the wines have progressed, which is a very different perspective. Uh, instead of you know going for the, the sure thing, it's like, well, let's give them another shot. So uh, I'm really excited to try those wines again and see um, how they've progressed and changed their winemaking style. Great. And is this uh, a purely a uh, an educational and, and fun kind of trip, or what what spurred on this trip? Just kind of part of the the normal. Uh, I should I should go multiple times a year and, and and or at least once a year and try to 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 keep up these relationships and see the the wineries firsthand. Yeah, and I also want to get some good road biking in. So, oh, nice. <laughs> uh, some good running it. So. Uh, those those are definitely my focuses. Uh, actually, hopefully this time actually I'm planning on visiting the uh, uh, the monastery of Pere Chartreuse, which which would be my first visit. It's really exciting. So, and so are you guys kind of in between seasons at the at the Nell right now? Is it? Uh, I imagine that are, the winter you know, is big, but the the summer is big too, right? Yeah. So this is the uh, what they call the mud season. So we've got about three weeks where we. Uh, uh, we closed the hotel and everyone is, uh, forced to take vacation. I know it sounds miserable. Oh. Um, and I usually, uh, I'm, I'm the first one out of Dodge. So, <laughs> um, so again, Rhone Valley, we've got, uh, uh, Burgundy, just a couple of days on the coast in Spain. That has nothing to do with wine. And then we're uh, headed back for the James Beard Awards in New York. So. All right. That's, uh, that, that doesn't sound like it sucks. No, life, life. You got to live sometime, right? You got to uh, hit us up while you're in New York. <laughs> by the way, we'd, lo- we'd love to have you in and uh, and drink some wine together. I will. We're uh, we're, we'll be um, uh, drinking with Dustin and Will and the guys at uh, Love in Madison for the Derby party, and um, and then trying to sober up on the fourth for the James Beard on the fifth. Wow! And uh, you guys, yeah. uh, are, you guys have some nominations in the James Beard Awards. Yeah, so we got nominated for uh, for the first time ever. Is uh, we got nominated for most outstanding wine program. Wow! Uh, Congratulations, really that's that's huge. Yeah, thank you. This yeah, is, it's been a, it's been a pretty amazing year for the now. So it's a pretty amazing year um, for, for you as well. Or in the you know last uh, last two years, the the MS, the James Beard Award, the Thirty Under Thirty. Better, better I know keep this left. humility. I think I'm going to have to go join a monastery and just like sort of go off the grid for a while. <laughs> What's left? Do you are there any other uh, professional uh, goals that you have left? Um, I don't know. You know, to me, it's like you know, I uh, I'm definitely not like a gimmick guy. I uh, my goal is to continuously make a great wine program at the Nell um, and work on efficiency and things like that. I know that sounds really really boring and it's not like the cool thing to say, but uh, it's something I've always been. Um, that's always been at the forefront of my careers. You know, we can have the flash, we can have the PR, but, you know, how stable is your wine program? How profitable is it? Um, and industry at the same time. And that's something that's uh, probably a lot harder to achieve than uh, a really good, a really cool tweet history. So, uh, you know, I'm, that's that's my focus. My focus is um, how to make a great wine program uh, and keep it consistent. I think, you know, as a young master sommelier, it's, uh, I don't want to say you have a lot to prove, but you have a lot to prove. Um, you know, the question is, is it all theoretical and something that you regurgitated out of a book? Can you apply it to everyday, um, to everyday life in your in your own wine program? And that's what we're trying to do and build our team up. Um, we've got a lot of young sommeliers on the floor that are really excited. Uh, Nick Barb is a great young sommelier, joined us from Eleven Madison Park pretty recently, and uh, you know we're building a team, and that's to me, you know, sort of priority uh, professionally. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just to tie things back into. Uh 
to your earlier uh, earlier days, uh, first getting into food with with CCAP. How does that uh, d- d- kind of? Are you still in touch with those guys? Um, do you ever see yourself um, going into some sort of education and, and helping out with the CCAP program? I and mean, you have to be uh, one of the, I imagine, most uh, uh, successful people to come out of the program and in the front of house. So, uh, how, how do you see yourself, uh, uh staying of course, of course. It? I mean, you know, um, you know, there's always the cliche, yes, it's important to give back. And I do believe that, but I think it has to be in the right way. Um, for me, I definitely want to continue to build my career. And then when I'm at that point, and I think that time will present itself, um, you know, when I can, uh, sort of, uh, reciprocate, uh, then I will, you know, but at this point, I really want to, uh, my, you know, my goal is to, uh, to help the kids by being an example and sort of pushing myself as, as, as far as I can uh, to show them what, what, what you know what, what the possibilities are. Uh, I think that's one uh, uh, one extremely important you know way of giving back is, um, is is to push myself to become that example of you know yeah I can do that I you know or even if it's in the kitchen yes I can succeed. I mean we have a couple other guys. Emar Santana is doing a phenomenal. Uh, uh, a job in LA. Um, I mean, I mean, there's numerous guys who are doing extremely well. Mine just happened to be in one, which is the most rare for that program. But you know, I think we're at the point in the program at CCAP where you're starting to see uh, Richard's work uh, sort of come to fruition, and um, he's got some really successful students. And um, you know, I think all of us are just working really hard to be that example. And then who knows? Maybe uh, our retirement plan is we all become culinary instructors at CCAP. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to make crafts by then. <laughs> I'll have to practice. Hey, I think I mean I think you're you know a great example for for what uh, you know what hard work and uh, uh, can can do. But obviously you know nothing nothing happens in uh, in a vacuum. So having that kind of support program and the the initial start of CCAP, uh, uh, it's clear that that kind of set you in the right direction. And then you you worked your butt off and uh, and made good on on that promise. So I think a uh, really, really good example to set for for these kids, and uh, uh, I, I, yeah, well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate it. Um, how how are you doing? To, do I hear the uh, is that is the train coming soon, or do we have a few more minutes with you? Yeah, I think. Hold on. Let me see. I wonder if I could see Raj walking up the stairs. Is there just a train that arrived? Uh, <laughs> and he's probably uh, he's probably not super happy about being late. I think his uh, flight got delayed about two and a half hours. Oof. But Terry's probably in the winery waiting for us. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. We probably have, we have a couple a couple minutes. We'll keep going until uh, until I see Raj, and then I'll run. All right. Uh, if you. Uh if you could get Raja on just to, when you see him, just to say a, a quick hello, I think that would be that would be a lot of fun because he's uh, he's been here in the studio, uh, and and I consider him. If not, if it's like, dude, we got to get going, then totally totally get that. He's, uh, he's a he's a really funny guy. Uh, totally get that as well. Okay, so you've worked with some extraordinary chefs with uh, with Samuelson, with Keller, Calicchio. Like how how their cuisines um, in influenced your take on on wine? Well, I think it's it's not so much necessarily their cuisines, but their different disciplines. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, Jonathan Vino is. I mean, as regimented of a human being you could ever imagine. <laughs> uh, I mean, just so structured. I mean, really, really strict, but um, taught me an insane amount about work ethic and discipline. Uh, I mean, there was no such thing as a, as a, as a, as a you know, a sick day. It didn't exist in Bino's uh, philosophy. You know, I think, uh, uh, obviously, Colicchio is 
a per, it was the first chef that I worked with that was like sort of a celebrity chef in the sense that, you know, you know, he'd walk around in jeans and his sport and his chef coat and he'd be working in three different restaurants that, in one service. I thought it was amazing to watch and just sort of walking around the neighborhood, <laughs> walking from one restaurant to the other. Uh, that was the coolest thing. Uh, and sort of still have a little touch, uh, and, you know, still be in touch with all of his restaurants. I thought it was pretty phenomenal. And uh, Eric Seabolt, who is uh, probably my greatest uh, mentor as far as, you know, the business side of things. I mean, he just has an amazing business sense. And I've never seen a chef that was so good with numbers. Uh, I mean, he's, 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 he's a born gambler, so he loves the numbers. Uh, when he's not in his, in his kitchen, he's in, like, Atlantic City testing his, uh, his, 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 his hand at uh, Blackjack. So uh, really phenomenal guy to watch run a business and, again, uh, uh, point out the importance of profitability in a restaurant and, and not just things that are sort of hip and fun, but, you know, at the end of the day, what's your bottom line like, which is something that I don't think I'd uh, really focus much on in my career. So, um, you know, while their food is very, very different, I think uh, one of the biggest things I learned from them was, uh, again, work ethic, uh, flexibility, and, and obviously um, you know, accountability in your in your in your uh, accounting in your restaurant. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it is a uh, it is a business, and without without profitability, we can't uh, we can't you know show people the wines that we love if you know if we're not actually making money. Exactly, out of them. hence the reason why people so many restaurants fail. You know, so yeah, and what. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. That's unfortunately a, a sad uh, a sad truth of the of the industry. Um, yeah. So what what have you? Uh, what are some of the things that you've done just in a a, a a restaurant a wine operations you know note in order to kind of uh, increase profitability? Have you seen things that? Uh, I imagine in such a, a big program like that, there there's probably little tiny adjustments that you can make that can that can make larger effects. Of course. I mean, we uh, we started streamlining some of our buying uh, in the hotel. Uh, you know, still keeping things pretty interesting in between outlets, but when we can streamlining things, uh, changing our buying practices. Um, you know, who we buy from, um, the way we buy. You understand? It's like you know, when you're a wine director for a hotel that buys so much wine, it's almost like working on the stock market at the time. It's like you know, these quick little decisions you make uh, can affect the bottom line mm-hmm. drastically. Um, so they really put a lot, I think, in your hands. A lot of trust uh, in the wine director. Uh, in general, I don't know why they trust me, but <laughs> but they do. So I'm really happy they do. But uh, you know, for me, it's just buying practices. It's uh, it's inventory, things like that. So uh, can I ask? Do you have a uh, a monthly budget, and and how much do you have in inventory? You guys, you don't. If you if you if you can't give that information, <laughs> you don't have to. Oh no, I can't, I, can't, I couldn't tell you that. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, but I imagine you guys have such an extensive uh, an extensive program. Yeah. Hey, uh, you want to say hi to Raj? Yeah, Raj. Put Raj on. One second. Hey. Raj, welcome back to In the Drink. It's Joe. <laughs> good to talk to you, my friend. How you doing? I'm good, man. It sounds like you guys have a uh, quite the trip lined up. Oh, yeah. We are about to rush and go see Titi Alamon right now and, uh, you know, on and on from there. All right. Uh, I, heard, I heard you got a little delayed. You're, you feeling all right? I feel great. All right, I'm ready to go to eat some cornas. All right, man. Uh, well, th- thanks for thanks for saying uh, hello. I don't want to uh, get in the way oh, of, yeah. of any of your wine drinking, so <laughs> I'll, I'll tie things right, up with great. Carlton and All have right. a great trip, man. Great. Take care. Thanks, Joe. Take care. See ya. All right, so that means uh, we're gonna head out. All right, Carlton. Thanks so much. It's it's been such a pleasure having you on in the drink, and uh, come stop by no when worries. you're Thank when you're in New York. Me, All right, take care, man. Have a great trip.
Talk to you later. Bye. And uh, that's been uh, that's been in the drink that with uh, Carlton McCoy. If you guys haven't been, uh, uh, Aspen uh, is pretty extraordinary. Especially, uh, I I'm not much of a skier, so in in the summer, uh, it's absolutely beautiful. And uh, Lil Nell is definitely a, quite quite a great spot to uh, to drink some wine. But thanks so much for listening. This has been in the drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 